You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. In a world where film studios have pillaged every young adult novel, DC'd every comic book series, and Frankenstein every silver screen monster in search of the next movie mega franchise. Two nerds. Two movies. One cinematic universe. This is Jasper. And this is Randy. We watch two movies. This is Jesse. In the future, when a retired swordsman comes out of retirement to make another final blade it will be in violation of their retirement benefits so it's a good thing those hanzo blades are priceless because the swordsmiths gotta eat that's a good point hi jesse hey hi hi so this episode we will be discussing kill bill volume two and the street fighter yeah season tarantino continues and we're joined by jesse because he wanted to talk about Kill Bill. Not necessarily this one, but <laughs> nope. here we are. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not no, the one I like. I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Kill Bill Volume 2. I chose to pair this with The Street Fighter from 1974, a Sonny Chiba movie, even though Sonny Chiba, everything about it, this is mismatched. Sonny Chiba was in the first volume of Kill Bill. He's not in the second one, but that's okay. They talk about his character, so maybe that's something. Yeah. Um, But as I've stated on the podcast, the decision, the the specific decision to split volume one and two into two episodes, other than the fact that they were released separately, which is so I could have a good excuse to jam more martial arts into the viewing martial arts. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Okay with that. Yeah. I'm super excited to hear what you think of both of these. Okay. Before we get to that though, important announcement, a listener, GCU's going away. Okay, so oh, there you go. That's a good one. Angels. What I mean is, up to this point, you've been able to listen to the Grolic Cinematic Universe on the Grolix podcast feed and its own GCU's own podcast feed. We're going to be removing GCU from the Grolix podcast feed unless we get like a sudden outcry of like I don't know hate mail or something like. How dare you? So, listener, if you're listening to this on the Grolix feed. And how can you tell if it's on the Grolix feed? If you look at this podcast feed in Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Anchor, wherever you're listening to this, and you see other episodes that aren't GCU, this is the Grolix podcast feed. But we're going to stop posting these GCU episodes to that feed, and it's just going to live on its own feed now. We're stepping out to our own apartment. It's it's another step. We've been We've been talking about it, you know? This was our, like... This was the Grolix podcast, child, brother, sister, mother show, <laughs> sister show. <laughs> what? Whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That makes uh, total the child, sense. It, it does in a way, but, uh, <laughs> and it's, it's growing up, it's growing up and it's, it's actually moving out. We've got a girlfriend now. We got our own car. Who's our we've, girlfriend we've podcast? I don't no, know. I feel like good. I feel <laughs> like we bin. probably shouldn't answer that. Anyway. Grind a bridge too far. <laughs> grind bin. Grind bin's our girlfriend podcast, but like they, they don't know it. They don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and they're we not exclusive, like, but we are. 
Oh man, I wish we almost should have picked somebody like Roman Podcast, just because like, yeah, no, our girlfriend lives in Canada. You don't know her. <laughs> yeah, that, that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> so if you listen to this on the Grolix podcast feed, along with the regular Grolix show, which is up in the like episode number 90 something right now, look us up, look Grolix Cinematic Universe up, subscribe to us there if you don't want to miss out on future episodes. Or if you think that's a terrible idea, let us know. And I will actually, I will totally listen to you um, because I'm not really sure the best way to handle it. And I kind of feel like it's the main motivation behind this is because I worry that if you're subscribed to Grolix podcast and you don't like or just don't care for GCU for whatever reason, you know, I don't want to push you guys away. So uh, we're just kind of. We're carrying to you, listener. So it's less muddy. So it's less muddy. Streamline the brands. So of course you can still get both. At GrawlixPodcast.com. GCU is not actually leaving. It's not going anywhere. Uh, we're just going to split the feeds, actually split them, and see what happens. It's an experiment. Yeah. In, in case, listener, for maybe you do already only listen to us on the GCU podcast feed. Jesse, who are you? Oh, wow, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm Jesse, and I come to you from the uh, Grawlix podcast, uh, the original one, the first one. The first one, it's not confusing at all. <laughs> there can no. only be um, one. And we talk about uh, comic books on that show and uh, basically basically comic booky type stuff. Uh, we also talk a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of uh, Doctor Who and that kind of thing. Uh, so pop culture and comic book stuff, uh, we have a pull list. It's, it's kind of like a book club that the audience gets to choose. And uh, we mm-hmm. do that once a month. So if you are interested in any of those kinds of things, check us out. You can find us the same place you find GCU, which is GrawlixPodcast.com. I've heard it's a pretty good show. I like it. A book club, man. We really should have embraced that. <laughs> I mean, it's never never too late. Uh, we're true. only We're only almost 100 episodes in. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Better late than never, I say. Because okay. in the future, they'll become a book club. <laughs> yeah, yep. Let's let's kick it off. Let's kick it off right. Jasper, what movie are we going to talk about we are, first? We are talking about the 1974, The Street Fighter, which has nothing with the game, I'm guessing. No. Okay, There was cool, no turbo to sure. this. Movie synopsis is tough karate master Terry Seguri, which I'm pretty sure is the way you say it, mm-hmm. takes it upon himself to protect a late businessman's daughter from the Yakuza. Director was Shigeru Oz- Ozawa. Is it Shinichi Chiba? Shinichi Chiba? That's his actual name Chiba. instead of Sunny. Oh. Yeah, Sunny Chiba. We'll just say that. That's what people know. Uh, Yutuka Nakajima, Chayoko Kazama, and Etsuko Shihomi. Uh, and it's written by Koji Takata and Motohiro Tori. Okay. If I slaughter those names, I. Hey, much respect to you people. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> what do you mean, you people? <laughs> you okay. Mean? Wow, this is going to be... <laughs> Can't wait till the weekend to start editing this one, that's for sure. Right. Okay, so 1974's The Street Fighter starring Sonny Chiba. First, Jasper, had you ever seen or heard of this? No, I've only watched the actual Street Fighter. The mo- Street Fighter the movie? The actual <laughs> Street Fighter. That guy. Yeah, you mean the one that came out decades later based on the game counts. that came out? No, decades the one after in this? Council Bluffs. Oh. <laughs> that guy. We call, we the call Street Fighter. Jesse, had you ever. I'm 
I'm assuming you've heard of this, but had you ever heard of this or seen this? Yes and yes. But it, oh, it's, okay. it's been a while. You know, it's been a while since I'd seen it. So it was uh, fun to revisit. Okay. I had seen this before. Pretty sure I've seen all the sequels. The continuity gets, there's not much continuity between these, but I had seen this before, maybe only once. So I guess, Jasper, what did you think of the Street Fighter? Okay. Well, at first, thought it was a little weird. Uh, I don't know if uh, just I noticed it, but the voices changed. Okay, in so sentence. It's it's <laughs> oh I don't know, but it's fair to mention. So we watched a legitimate copy, mm-hmm. as far as we know. Uh, we watched <laughs> this on two beat. <laughs> this along with a whole ton of other Sunny Chiba. Like I had a hard time after I finished this. I was like, oh, I could watch the Return of Street Fighter or. Yeah, sister the other street, street fighter, fighter yeah sister street fighter or one of these other numerous sunny chiba movies i've never even heard of like they have a ton of sunny chiba on yeah. there which is super cool that said this is not a good copy of it no uh for one you can't watch it in sub with subtitles it's only over they only have it available overdubbed and for two this is clearly a dvd rip that they acquired because and i don't have to get into it but basically you can see the interlace artifacts basically like digital video doesn't need to be interlaced anymore they do that on dvd and stuff and if you like just rip it without de-interlacing it what you get are kind of like weird lines you can notice it especially in the movements where it looks like there's like different i don't know point is this is clearly a dvd rip (laughs) there's no subtitles it's only available in overdub. I don't think the picture quality looked god awful. No, but I was I was a little surprised. Like, oh, you know that like fifty sci fi movies and fifty kung fu movies yeah. like those that DVD pack I've got over there. They have the same one, and they just pretty much ripped it, and that's what's on Tubi TV. So yeah. I was a little surprised by that, but whatever, it was available. So yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. The point is overdubbed only. We didn't get a chance to watch like. A subtitled version. So at first I got kind of lost on them switching. I thought that Sonny Chiba was the guy they rescued from the prison, but it's actually Terry. Okay. Okay. I, I, I don't, I was like, whoa. You just whoa. don't know. You didn't know who's. Yeah. Did you know who Sonny Chiba was at all? Yeah. I've heard of him. Yeah. You've heard I've of never, him, but I've you've never, never actually like, all. okay. Okay. Well, I was wondering because like, uh, isn't th- this is, this is the movie that Clarence is watching in the Sonny Chiba or Street Fighter Marathon. I think Isn't so. it? I believe it's the end of this movie when they're on the ship with the with like the rain and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, true, true romance. romance. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Kind of funny at first when he's doing like the really deep breaths in and he's like coming at that guy in the room. But the one thing I was going to bring this up to, the one thing I could not get out of my head this whole movie is Terry's sidekick could easily have been played by Rob Schneider. Oh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. No, he, okay, that's, <laughs> dude, if you need to describe his character, you did it perfectly. That's it. He yeah. is the, he's the man child sidekick. I hate it. I hate him. Like, even the costume, <laughs> too, with the hat and everything, I was like, that's uh-huh. Rob Schneider. <laughs> Terry. Oh, Terry. Oh. But yeah, though, also, big problems I had with this movie was the, um, it was the lady. It felt like her cues were very late. Okay. Like when they okay. break through the door and she's like, <gasps> like, <laughs> okay. like, you know, like, like almost 10 seconds after they break through the door, she's like, oh, they broke through the door. Okay. But 
like it's just very late acting on on her part. But what was weird, everybody else was kind kind of flawless, but mm-hmm. hers was just off mm-hmm. horrendously. All right, Jesse, what do you think of this movie? Uh, <laughs> huh? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I liked it. I mean, I I enjoyed it, but I also know what I'm getting into <laughs> when I when I start one of these. It's it's an interesting time in kung fu movie history, you know. And I, I we uh-huh. kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, this is this is well after you know Bruce. I mean, like they reference Bruce Lee in the very first scene. Uh, so this is kind of after Bruce Lee made it big. I'm assuming that uh, Jackie Chan has already probably hit the scene and really been successful. And now it's it's like we've gone from these super polished kung fu movies to you've got all these offshoots, you know, like everybody's looking to be the next Bruce Lee. And Sonny Chiba is Sonny Chiba. He is his own. He's his own thing. And uh, I... Definitely appreciate uh, Sonny Chiba's efforts to strike out on his own and do his own thing. And I think it works a lot. And I think sometimes it doesn't. And and it's like they couldn't figure out if. And that's that's where like Rat Nose, the character we keep bringing up, like he feels like they're just really try. They're trying to do everything. They're trying to cash in on the the violence and the serious nature of a Bruce Lee movie. But then they're also trying to really cash in on the camp and the ridiculousness of a, of some of the Jackie Chan things. So, yeah, we were talking about before we started recording, might've even been before you got here, Jasper, me and Jesse were saying, I was telling him, Sonny Chiba strikes me as like, he's kind of the anti Bruce Lee. He's, I mean, other than the, the nationality difference and he's, you know, karate and all that, but Bruce Lee's kind of like, he's a small, super, like, super, uh, what's the word? I mean, he's like super defined. He's, he's, I mean, he's cut. Dude's yeah. Cut. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, firm. That's not the word. <laughs> firm. firm. Crisp. Mm. <laughs> he's so crisp. Slender, I guess. Slender. <laughs> like a Ruffles chip. He's so crisp. You just, Slender. You just put him in very Sprite. That's all you do. Very smooth in his movements. And he has the thing yeah definitely the good guy most of the time bruce lee right whereas sunny chiba is big and tall and lanky and jesse pointed out like his stance his posture is terrible and he's like hunched over and like he's kind of he's a much more i mean it's karate but it's like he feels much more brawlery and he has his own version of the bruce lee And it's the most disgusting sounding. Like it sounds like he's <laughs> hawking a loogie the whole time. And he looks greasy and just, and his character in this is just nasty. Like he is just, he's an anti hero, I guess, is Why what they're going rat for. Why does Rat Nose love him so much? I don't understand. He's <laughs> awful. I mean, for the most part, he's a villain until they decide, the story decides he needs to become the hero, I guess. Right. Kind of, maybe. Yeah, that's confusing too. <laughs> and uh, you know, Sonny Chiba will play good guys, but in some of the other Street Fighter stuff I've seen, even though the characters he's not even always Terry and the continuity issues, it's usually this like it's kind of this nasty version, and it just struck me as like he's he's the anti Bruce Lee, you know? It's it's like Bruce Lee, but whoa, not yeah. But I 
I really enjoy this. I think it's got a lot of problems, like not just like in terms of quality. There's just some problems to the story and the character. There's problems. <laughs> and there's aspects like the Rob Schneider character. I'm so glad you mentioned it as Rob Schneider because that's exactly what he is. But Rat Nose, I hate it. I hate that character. I hate that character in every movie that has a character like that. But I kind of love this movie. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm a sucker for Sunny. I like this like gruff it's endlessly entertaining his 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 performance as this kind of gruff villainous hero who makes these hakalugi sounds and makes these facial expressions that are just straight up goofy like there's yeah. there's a couple moves where he'll like do this like backhand punch thing to where you know he'll punch somebody just behind him and put his face like right up in the camera and just and the way he holds his lips, I'm like, there's no way you didn't know that was just the goofiest looking thing. But they just all in, all in. <laughs> yeah. I could not get over the Terry, Daddy. I hate him. It's the word. Terry. No, no, Terry. And I mean, again, we watched the overdub thing, so that doesn't help. But I don't imagine the performance was much different in the original language. <laughs> no. I actually think the story's not bad. It's a decent setup for a story. Now, the, the Chinese and Japanese criminal syndicates were both mixed up in there, but there was also like a white guy mixed up in there. They differentiate. There's the Yakuza and like the mob. And I can't remember like the big, the big secret is they were working together. Right. But which one was it's Terry starts, working for? It starts out like we've got, it's basically like this, this family is a, uh, Trying to get their their brother out of that's right prison that's right, right. and that, and that and so it's kind of murky in how all that coalesces but yeah it it felt like there were like a couple different entities that just somehow bottleneck into the same thing and that that part I I'm still unclear on even though I've kind of seen this a few times so you've got that group and they they can't really afford to pay Terry. <laughs> to do it but he does it he he breaks the guy out and then then you've got this guy wh- what is it that he owns he owns like an oil refinery or something oil fields yeah and so they they basically take him out and so that's where the crux of the plot kind of ramps up in that this uh young gal is she stands to inherit the whole thing and so she becomes this person of interest for for all parties involved uh, some people want to protect her. Some people want to abduct her and and make her sign over the fortune or or you know her inheritance. And that's kind of where he, yeah, or else. And that's or else where... they'll sit and wait longer for her to sign it. <laughs> right, right, yeah. It's it's a little convoluted, but yeah, that's that's where Sonny kind of comes in. Some people want to hire him to do the abduction and then other people are like, no, we want you to, uh, to help protect her. And then, then the Yakuza is like, no, now we need to kill you because you know, we want to abduct her. It just goes, it just goes off the rail very quickly, but I'm glad you mentioned the family because that's what I was forgetting. So basically he breaks this one guy out of prison, like as he's literally on the day of his execution, Yeah, they have a little fight, which is kind of fun. Um, but he does the like, I don't remember what he calls it, but it's a little, not quite the five point exploding heart move, but yeah. it's whatever that will inca- incapacitate him. And this will put you into an oxygen coma, <laughs> oxygen coma. That's what he says. 
but long enough so that apparently then he they can hijack the ambulance when he passes out and break him out. This guy's brother and sister paid him half up front to do it, and they were supposed to pay the other half, but they didn't have the money to pay the second half. And then they show up at Terry's house and try to pick a fight, which is really stupid. One of the siblings goes to jump kick, and Terry's fighting, oh, beating right. the crap oh out God. of him. But one of the siblings goes to jump kick him and just jump kicks through a window and falls to his death. And that causes a big, like, blood vengeance against Terry. But it's like, well, I mean, Terry was a jerk. He was beating the crap out of him. But to be fair, he did a job. They didn't want to pay him. And then the guy jumped out of a window on accident. Like, it's not really his fault. Right. However, what is his fault? And this is where Terry's character. <sighs> Listen, he's not a good guy. I don't understand he why he decided quickly. to help. <laughs> why he helps the second chick. But the first chick. How the uh, Yakuza and the mob come into this to begin with is he then takes the sister, he takes that first chick and sells her into prostitution so he could at least make the money that they owed him. Her brother just died and then he took her and sold her into prostitution. It's like, that's not a good guy. No. That's not a good guy move. No, nope. Not a good guy at all. And so then when the mob and he finds out are, are working with the Yakuza, offer him like, we want you to basically take out this chick. And he's like, no, I don't work with the Yakuza or whoever. You guys are thugs and there's nothing more that I hate than thugs. And what? Where's your, I don't understand your motivation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but where, where are, what are the rules? <laughs> and mind you, the whole issue with, my, with the main issue, other than the fact that it's a crappy thing to do and this is our protagonist. The main issue that I have with him selling this girl into prostitution is then later he saves the oil Harris or whatever you say from a potential rape and like acts like the hero, like all valiant about it. Also, she was about to kiss him and I don't know, none of that scene worked. Uh, yeah. Well, except for the one thing, the one thing was pretty glorious, but none of that scene worked. And it's just like, this is not the same character. Right, right. No, he does. Why, he, why the change? He takes a hard left turn at some point. I don't know. And he ends up protecting her because he turned the one people down to go kill her and then he hunts out the people that are supposed to protect her, beats the crap out of all of them to convince them to let him protect her. It's like, what is, what? <laughs> right, right. So I know I said, I think the plot line could work. I think it still could. It's just the way they go about it is so weird and messy. Yeah. And the character motivations are all over the place. I do like when he goes into this uh, dojo. It just beats the crap out of everybody and then gets into a fight with the, the little short, the little short fat. <laughs> the instructor. Yeah. The instructor and the instructor's actually like kind of a bad. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind he of just does like very simple movements too, but he just mm -hmm. starts owning him and then it stops abruptly and he's like, oh, I see what you're getting at. <laughs> like what? How do you see it? I don't see it. You want to get hired for a special job. And maybe it's his like trying to maintain a certain like got to maintain my image. But when he breaks in kicks the crap out of a bunch of people all the way in, gets to this girl. And I guess the point is like, you guys can't protect her. I can. I just ran through you guys and got to her. Pay me to protect her or whatever. But he gets her and then like forces himself on her. And I'm like, what is this guy? I don't understand this guy. <laughs> Obviously, it's a karate movie. It's an action movie. Like, yeah, it's martial arts. That's the point of the movie. How do you guys feel it stood up in that respect? I think early on, it was kind of, again, the moves didn't really connect. Okay. But it seemed as they went on it, it got 
a lot better. Okay. But I mean, I was entertained by it. It's captivating. I enjoy watching it. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, go do something else when there's a fight scene on. I get dialed in on it. Whether it's, you know, realistic or not, you know, like the way that he moves is interesting. The, the things that they do in the movie are interesting. There are some cheesy bits, but... You know, I thought the fights were okay. It's a lot of Terry against a bunch of bunch of guys. In that respect, it does it well. It's not necessarily like a bunch of guys waiting. One guy runs up, gets knocked down. The next guy runs up. I like the moment where they did the what I called later called the thinking man punch, where he like punched past his face, and then he his chin was resting on the top of his hand, and he like looks at him. Oh yeah, yeah. Which also again brought up another star in my head that guy that had kind of like a white face, like powdered face uh-huh. i was like he could easily be then played by david bowie <laughs> like oh with the, the blind guy or no the other guy with the knives yeah well that reminds me there's some terrible <laughs> listen if you're a knife guy if that's your stick yeah. you're gonna murder somebody in public don't then like stand there right around the corner with the knife in hand oh mugging God. the camera until everyone looks and be like give a nod and then put the knife away and start running just run <laughs> Yeah, he's like I killed him because he said some weird or said something bad about the other guy. Yeah, it yeah, it's weird. Those are strange characters, but they're entertaining. Those are the gimmick characters. You can tell when the gimmick characters are there because they're dressed up. Those yeah. are the gimmick characters: the blind guy and the knife guy. The X-ray punch. Long before Mortal Kombat, yeah, right. we had an X-ray punch, which was pretty cool. Yeah, they said that was the the director's trademark. Oh, really? Yeah, I liked it. It goes to a. Uh, Oh, basically, like an x-ray shot, essentially, he does a chop on a dude's, the top of a dude's head. And so you kind of see the skull crack a bit. But then when it comes, like, cuts back to normal vision, dude just covered in blood. Oh, yeah. And we get the hypercolor blood in this, too. I was going to say, it's got Jasper's favorite kind of blood. The very paint. You can tell, too, that skull is, like, in, like, ballistics gel. Because it, like, wobbled. Yeah, for sure. And there were, um... There were a few action scenes that I that I enjoyed. Like, I don't know, was it a bulldozer? Some construction equipment pulls up behind them oh, in the yeah. middle of a kind of... <laughs> Looked like a backhoe. Yeah, and it like grabs the top of their car and picks it up. Just stuff like that. I, I thought the action was pretty entertaining. They introduced this one character who's one of the, like kind of the villains that sticks around at the end because he's kind of, I don't know, honorable, I guess. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name offhand, but he's like, you know, such and such the cutthroat. I'm known as the cutthroat because I'm a cutthroat. I will fight you, blah, blah, blah. I will, This is the blue dragon. I won't use it or something like that. He's got his knife and he like holds it out. And he's like, I won't use oh, this. Yeah. I, I don't. It's yeah, so what, like. What is his deal? Because he's like almost in charge and he's like, I'm going to let you fight him. <laughs> yeah. I, it's eventually though, the, the guy that he broke out of jail for the brother and sister coincidentally it seems gets tied in with the people that are after Terry now he becomes the big like the big climactic fight scene towards the end that happens on a ship is between Terry and the guy that he broke out of jail in the first scene which you kind of seen coming we basically says it he's like if if you follow my instructions then we can have a death match later <laughs> like I don't, I'm not looking forward to that so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And this is a thing that I think maybe ties into the Tarantino movie that we'll get to, but it's, it's this, this idea of how abruptly these things will end, you know, like, like the battle in the dojo, the same thing with this, like it's the conflict resolution of the, of the film. I don't know why, but it is. And it is basically the guy's like, 
all right, I've just decided you're going to fight him to the death. <laughs> and then, and then, and he's like, all right, I'll do it. But only if you agree to leave her alone if I win. <laughs> Again, I feel like a lot of this is lost in translation. I think about that a lot while watching some of these, especially like, because during the 70s, there was that big explosion of kung fu movies and karate movies and mm -hmm. Bruce Lee and all the copycats and everything else. And a lot of those just got swooped up by companies over here for American distribution to go into grindhouse theaters and drive-ins. And I bet a lot of them got overdubbed by people who just didn't have a clue. They're just like, well, oh, yeah. whatever, watch it and come up with a story. And right. those are still the overdubs that are kicking around. So like, I, yeah, I bet the story is significantly different. Although, I mean, I think the main idea is pretty obvious. I, that all that's probably the same, but yeah. I mean, so it comes down to that, that final death match that we, we basically got set up for in the very beginning of the movie. And, uh, <laughs> he tears his vocal cords out. And then just lets him die. And that's it. I mean, like, uh, you know, Terry is obviously very badly, very badly burned. No, he's very badly wounded. But, like, he he, he makes it out alive. But, uh, yeah, after you tear a guy's throat out, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, so let's let's touch on some of those. We got the, we got the, uh, we got the x-ray shot. Right. He ripped the guy's throat out. Let's talk about the... <laughs> Let's talk about. He ripped a dude's <laughs> off. Just get. Oh yeah, well, yeah, fair. That can't guy. really say it like that, but yeah, he he ripped a dude's junk off, and, and then that guy, that character him. in and of himself, was like legitimately just there to be a creepy, awful guy. <laughs> so the only black guy in the yeah. whole movie, I can't help but notice the only black guy, and the there's only two scenes that he shows up for. And he plays a rape, the rapist in both scenes. Like that's his job. Yeah, I guess I'm guessing he was hired for that purpose. Well, Charlie, you're good every at attacking women. So every yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> this, <laughs> oh, I'm looking at you know, your, your I'm looking at this list of skills on your resume, and uh, you'd be perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess every criminal organization needs one. <laughs> It looks like your record says three or four sexual assaults that we know of. So we're going to put you on this job. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, the, Terry interrupts in a would-be attack between this guy on the oil heiress. And uh, that's apparently when Terry goes white knight and <laughs> rips the dude's junk off. It's pretty insane. Yeah. It's, it is pretty insane to like – and then he dies. It's like I was. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, the guy just died. I he mean, just he's gonna bleed his... out, but he dies instantaneously. <laughs> Every time he, he I want to say he rips something off else off of or out of somebody, because there's one point when he does it, and he like, I don't know, he's got a bunch of blood or something on his hand. He like smells his hand, his fingers, and then like wipes his hand off. I'm like, ew, dude, what are you doing? That was just in somebody's body. Why would you do that? <laughs> It's weird. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. But it's it's a level of, I don't know, I've seen a lot of, I, I had this, a similar comment when we were talking about Lady Snowblood last episode, where it's just like, I know, especially in the 70s, you know, they, they started kind of, they're ramping up the blood in some of these movies. But even still, I've seen a lot of uh, kung fu and samurai and karate movies from this time period. And 
it's not extremely common for them to go this gory. No, I mean, it's not yeah. uncommon for there to be blood, but to be ripping off dudes, dude's junk, uh, <laughs> yep. it's memorable because it doesn't happen in every movie. No. <laughs> I think that's it. Like, I enjoy the story, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm used to kung fu movies and other karate movies where it doesn't matter. And the Rob Schneider character, I hate it, but whatever. It doesn't matter because it's all about the fights. I enjoy Sonny Chiba's uh, weird character, even though it, he's very confused. And it's got some memorable stuff like that. The weird little bursts of violence There's very always stuck with me. Someday I want to do the sequels so we can get to the one with the gun, which I mention every time <laughs> we talk about this movie. Okay. Whew, star ratings. You guys oh, ready? Oh, man. I don't even know what to compare it to. <laughs> you know, That's the hard thing with this because I feel like I kind of know what I want to give it, but then I'm like, I feel like I've given much better movies worse, review, worse right. ratings. So right. That's I, the thing. How do, I, is, how do I remain consistent? <laughs> I think this is one where you really got to not compare and you just got to go with your gut. Like, right. And I'll say right now, for me, star rating, it's not necessarily even quality. It's just pure enjoyment level. You're right. I'll jump in first. I'll say, Jasper, you always guess my star rating. So what do you got? What are you guessing? I'm going to say. I'm going three. You're right. I you God, you do nail it almost every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to go three. You know, it's it's not the highest quality movie. I think it's a classic in its own way. I can't justify going higher than three. I maybe got a 3.5 enjoyment out of it, but I'm definitely, yeah, I'm going three. I, I'm going same uh, three. I mean, I was entertained by it. I always kind of like these old martial arts movies just because, like, you know, it's not over the top. They're not flying around on wires and, and crap like that. It's just more. That's true. Fun. It's not like a wire work kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Fly Across the Room. You know? The one guy that tried just flew through a window and died. Yeah, so. so don't ever try <laughs> that, kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, um. It's kind of like, I think why, especially kids like these kind of movies, is like back, like when I used to take Taekwondo back in the boys club, you know, you're like, I can do this like stuff and look cool and, you know, Uh but you know, you can't fly across the room and miss your target and fly out the window. (laughs) That teaches you a valuable lesson. Don't do that. Don't jump through windows. Don't try a flying kick. Nope. Okay. Especially when you're in a building that's higher than ground level. But yeah, I'd say three. Okay. Yeah. I... I'm yeah. Three is what I, that's what I was kind of planning to give it. And I don't even know why. <laughs> Cause I mean, like if I'm, if I am, uh, if I'm recommending Kung Fu movies to people, like I'm probably going to throw them a Bruce Lee or, or a, uh, or a Jackie Chan. Cause I've, I've watched an awful lot of those too. And, uh, they're, they're kind of the high watermark. Right. But mm-hmm. But I do enjoy I do enjoy this movie and I do enjoy uh Sonny Chiba and I like the fact that he's playing with things. Bruce Lee and, and Jackie Chan kind of set a standard and and Sonny Chiba movies don't they don't play in that sand they 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 play in that sandbox, but they kick sand in your face. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're they're yeah. playing with stuff in different ways. They're actually they're they're 
at the same time that they're maybe not trying to make the the world's greatest kung fu movie. I don't know if they were or they weren't, but they do some really cool things, some things that had never been done before, and I respect it. So, and and I enjoy it. I mean, maybe maybe for reasons I'm not supposed to, but I do. I do enjoy yeah. it. So, I have to go I have to go 3 even though I I do I do have to admit that it's not it's not like the best. You know, if I'm going to recommend this to somebody, I got to really know that they like it. You know, like mm-hmm. they like the genre. They're okay with some schlock because you'll get a little schlock with this. But you're also going to really enjoy some of the the weird stuff that that this throws at you. So, yeah, three. Yeah. No, I think you nailed it. Because to that end, like I agree. It's if you're looking for something to recommend to somebody like, oh, you want to watch a, a cool martial arts movie. I wouldn't start with this, but if it's somebody who I know either likes a certain style of like seventies or B grade movie, or if they already are into it and they've never seen it, I'll be like, Oh yeah, you need to watch street fighter, man. Yeah, for sure. And it is, it it becomes like an experience too. It's like, like, okay. Yeah. You like Kung Fu movies. Have you seen street fighter yet? (laughs) And you know, like I said, when this got over, I kind of had a hard time not just like I seen all I seen Tubi TV man all the sequels right there and I oh, yeah. had a hard time not just like hit and play on the next one whereas even some of the like better kung fu movies usually like it gets over I'll, I might need a break yeah I but this I was like I I was like yeah oh no I'm I'm in it let's do it and that's partially because once the fight's over, he rips the dude's th- throat out, stands up. It's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the movie is over instantly. And then he's like, oh, okay, let's do more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and runtime's not too bad on this. It's what, an hour and a half maybe? Yeah, maybe. It's not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not bad at all. From Sonny Chiba in The Street Fighter to Kill Bill Volume 2, which is probably the less appropriate Kill Bill to pair the Street Fighter with because Sonny Chiba was actually in Kill Bill Volume 1. But we're going to talk about Kill Bill Volume 2. That's an awkward roundabout segue. <laughs> KB2. Nobody calls it that. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Hashtag no, KB2. No one, no one has ever done this. Hashtag KB2. Okay, so. KBSF2. Kill Bill Volume 2 from 2004. Four, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, based on characters by Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman, starring Uma Thurman, David Carradine, Daryl Hannah, Michael Madsen, Gordon Lau, Michael Parks, uh, Larry Bishop, and, you know, more people. Actually, not that many more people. Just got a smaller cast in this one. The Bride Unwaveringly continues on her roaring rampage of revenge against the band of assassins who had tried to kill her and her unborn child. She visits each of her former associates one by one, checking off the victims on her death list five until there's nothing left to do but kill Bill. Jasper, had you seen this before? No. Jesse, had you seen this before? Yes. Okay. If he says no, I'd be really surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I keep starting with you, Jasper, because... Especially, specifically Kill Bill, uh, the fact that you hadn't seen Kill Bill, uh, is the reason we're doing Tarantino movies this season. So, what did you think of Kill Bill Volume 2? 
Well, first off, I got to say that I think Kill Bill Volume 1 was better. Volume 2, I like the, dire- the art direction. Like the- I like how it started the black and white again, mm-hmm. like they did in the first one. I kind of like that, you know, the enemies in this one kind of knew they were going to die. Like, I mean, Michael Madsen's character was like, you know, well, we deserve to die. There's a lot more one-on-one fights, one-on-one action, not the crazy 88. That And I love how in this one they point out there wasn't actually 88 of them. And they just, he's like, maybe they just like the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but this one, of course, with the first one, I was intrigued the whole, whole way through. But there is a couple times in this one that I had to like pause it just to check my phone. I didn't even do that in like one because I was so like captivated by it. But there is some very slow points in this one. Mm-hmm. But I like the fight, the one-on-one fights better in this one. Okay. You know, especially the one with her and um, Ellie mm-hmm. was a really good one. Okay, Jesse. Now, we we mentioned earlier that um, you would have preferred to join us to talk about volume one because you like that one more. But what do you think of this one? Yeah, my, my initial impression of the two was that I liked the first one better. And, you know, part of that is because, yeah, that's where all the, that's where all the like crazy bonkers vignette action pieces are right like mm-hmm. it's kind of a strange break the way that these two movies are broken up in into the two volumes because yeah that first one it's got some very iconic moments and so when i think of kill bill i usually think of volume one for whatever reason mm-hmm. even though this is you know this is where we we get the payoff this is where you actually kill bill so Going into it, it was like, well, yeah, if I was going to do one of them, I'd probably rather do volume one. Having said that, it was kind of nice to revisit volume two without volume one, because then mm-hmm. I could judge it a little better on its own merits. Because, the, you know, when, like when I went in to see volume two the first time, I already had a, a preconception about what volume two should be like, because I'd seen volume one. And it didn't quite meet those expectations because y- you you get a, a certain flavor with volume one and this one's a different flavor. So I, I did, I did enjoy it and I think I enjoyed it more on this rewatch. Yeah. I would pretty much agree with everything, everything you guys said. And I too enjoyed this rewatch. Uh, I want to say I, I've seen the first volume many more times than I have seen the second one. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, I've only ever watched the second one after having just recently watched the first one, like you said, Jesse. So it's kind of fresh to, it, it is good to watch it fairly fresh, separate of the first volume, but it is very different. The tone, the pacing is very different, almost to a point where once it does start kind of bringing in the Kill Bill fight scenes, you know, because it does, it does get there. It starts off pretty slow. And I don't necessarily mean in a negative way, but the pacing is pretty slow. Then we do get some fight scenes. They feel a little bit more out of place here Mm -hmm. because the directorial style then does kind of match like it did in the first one with a more kinetic camera and quick cuts. Of course, it's an action sequence, but a lot of the, a lot of this movie isn't that it highlights the kind of strange juxtaposition that the kill first kill bill had a little bit. It was more balanced between the ridiculous over the top stuff and the more like serious tonal stuff. 
Whereas this is a lot of more serious tone with maybe three action scenes, like three fights maybe. I mean, who does she kill? She kills Ellie. Bud. But she doesn't even kill Bill or Or kill Bud. Bud. Yeah, not really. Ellie does, and he gets the snake bite. So, and then, you know, I guess the Pai Mei stuff. Right. But that's like, that's kind of it. Which is which is fine. It's just yeah, it's a totally different tone. I do appreciate the style of this. He said, you know, volume one was like the legend. You know, you're watching the legend of what happened, and volume two is the more realistic stuff. Well, that doesn't really hold up, Mister Tarantino. When you've you've got the grave stuff, which is ridiculous. Like I like, you know, the sequence when she gets buried in the grave, buried alive feels very claustrophobic it is scary how that resolves is so ridiculous though it's like well no we're still watching the legend because that's just not plausible i'm not saying it's bad but it's 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 weird it's weird and it kind of highlights the issue with this taking a more grounded tone for the most part but still working in that over-the-top kung fu action movie comic book logic you know well, and Pai Mei is a legend. I mean, like, he starts by telling the legend of Pai Mei. Before, yeah, he's over a thousand years old. Yeah, before he goes and delivers her, delivers her to Pai Mei. And yeah, I mean, like the whole thing's, that whole thing is over the top. I have watched volume one and two back to back a couple times. And do, they, do they go together well? Because it to me, it seems like they are so tonally different. It's Well, it's rough. I mean, at that point, you're looking at a almost four and a half hour long watch right? for the second last two hours of that four and a half hours to like suddenly drop the tone, drop the pace to where it goes. I don't know. It's weird. I kind of wonder the whole bloody affair is what it's called. Like he's toured it around a couple times uh, where it's the basically the director's cut. It's the whole thing. Volume one and two together as it's supposed to be. And there's stuff missing. There's stuff added. There's stuff rearranged. So I kind of wonder if some of this stuff would work better if it were cut more in with the stuff from the beginning. If basically, I feel like it would probably work okay if all the super like colorful, action-packed, kinetic stuff from volume one was more evenly dispersed through volume two. I feel like that could probably work. Right. But it is weird to watch both going from one to the other. I kind of get it from like a mortal, con- like using <laughs> video game logic again, um, like from a mortal combat type of uh, scenario, like you start climbing up the tower and the, the adversaries should get tougher. And so they should take more time, but it just seems like it went from boom, I'm dispatching an entire, do- you know, basically a dojo of, of people to I can't even take Bob down, <laughs> you know, somebody else is going to take Bob down, which I, which I thought was, I mean, like that's kind of an aside, but it's, it's super interesting to me that there's only two people that can really get the drop on the bride and that's Bill and his brother. A shotgun. Like the yeah. dude just sat in there with a shotgun pointed at the door and waited for her. And that's how. Like, come on, really? She's just going to charge, like oh, throw the door open and charge straight in? I don't know. It seems weird. Yeah. His whole story was weird. The brothers, uh, yeah. Michael Madsen's character, where he's basically like really he's kind gets, of pathetic. Yeah. He just get, he just lets people push him around, even though he's 
<laughs> his boss character, that character, his boss, that guy. Yeah. Wow. That's. The whole calendar thing was kind of funny. Tarantino crafted quite the, like, I mean, he's a pretty memorable character and like, he's real enough to where you're like, I kind of know a guy like that. I could see that, you know? Right. Just a real a-hole who says some weird a-hole things. Maybe it's still pretty close to how we envision the movie being laid out as a whole, but it definitely seems like a choice to put a lot of the flashy stuff up front and then more of the exposition-y stuff in volume two. I mean, Tarantino, even even in Kill Bill, the first one, Tarantino's generally really good about characters just sitting there having a conversation, but still somehow like increasing the tension of what's going on, even if they're not talking about what's going on. And this movie doesn't have that all that much. Right. Maybe a little bit at the beginning where they're doing the the wedding rehearsal because you know what's going to happen. So you know there's a tension there. But I don't know. There's a lot of other stuff where there's not a whole lot going on. And it's not necessarily raising the tension in that way that Tarantino usually does. Right. It's, It's kind of a weird one. It's kind of a strange one. And I will agree, like, almost all the memorable stuff is in the first one. But I guess that's the spectacle, right? I don't know. Right. What happened, Jasper? Did you burn through your G Fuel? No, I'm just... <laughs> huh. <laughs> I'm listening. It, he's he's wrapped up in the exposition. He's contemplating the character of these, of yeah, these men and okay. women. Okay. <laughs> you don't see this, Jesse, but I'm nodding with you. See? Yeah. yeah I do I love that. that. Yeah, I, I, I do love the Pai Mei stuff, though. I love the Pai Mei stuff, but that's, man, that's my bread and butter. That's straight Dude, up kung fu movie. I want I want to be the guy that flips his beard. I love, oh, I love the beard flip. Oh, it's yeah. so good. And I even, I like the setup of the guy who's like, you know, he hates Caucasians. He despises <laughs> yeah. Americans and he's got nothing but contempt for women. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, so it might take you a while. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. That's funny. After, after he said that, I expected him to just come flying down the stairs and just stab her. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> uh, um, I mean, I like the setup of the, I mean, essentially kind of the one inch, I guess it's the three inch punch, but the close punch. My problem with the whole grave thing is even in the world of Kill Bill to where uh, this lady's been shot repeatedly and whatever, she just doesn't die. You can't dig yourself out of a grave like that. Right. You don't she have the like, leverage. She like Power Ranger through the. the <laughs> That's a good way to like, put it. As soon as you go, can go, break through the coffin, Ranger. she's yeah. able to just like. She like tornado spun. She, she pulled a Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then she's like accelerating through the dirt, but when she gets to the top, it's just one hand. Well, of course, because you got to do the zombie hand out. Yeah. I was thinking at that speed, you'd be like, and just fly out of it. But I did enjoy the stereo style. I enjoyed the shot from across the street in the where whatever in the like cafe where. Oh yeah! All of a sudden she comes covered in dirt, and you just see the dirt and dust like just poof, off of her into the light. Off. Yeah, and just comes in, sits down, and it's like all super nice. Like glass of water, please. <laughs> I don't know. The movie's so it's so weird because the first one jumps around to so many different locations and. We talked about like how some of them are super colorful. There's not the, not the whole movie super colorful, but some of the locations are super colorful and this and that. And this movie is 95% desert. A big portion of it's black and white. When it's not black and white, it looks good. It's colorful, but it's all still de- desert. So it's kind of dusty looking and yellowy and just got a certain look. And then at the end, she pops down to wherever Bill's at in 
I don't remember where, but it's like a South South America somewhere. It just feels very minimalistic in a way compared to the first half. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not fair to constantly compare it. But then again, it's volume two. It's Kill Bill volume two. Like, I think it's valid. I wish they would have released at some point, even though it'd, it'd be long to sit through. I wish they would release the whole bloody affair version, like the whole cut. I can't believe they never have. Yeah. It surprises me. It exists. They're, you know, they have, there's Tarantino. Like I said, it's played at places. Usually when you have a problem with the third act, it's actually a problem with the first act. And, and so I wonder if that isn't true with this, where it's like, like we've said, tonally, we got such a different flavor and it's like, did act one really set us up for act three? Cause I I like act three, but it's so out of left field comparatively. I think Tarantino's odd structuring throws a wrench into that even further because a big portion of this is act one stuff. We're getting the actual like. Oh, that's right. You know, we, we kind of got back told to what's the actual bloody massacre. We're like, yeah. How did it actually go down? Why did it actually go down? We got Samuel Jackson for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just a real little bit, but mm-hmm. he's in the first one on the floor. W- was he actually in the mm-hmm. floors? Cause I do not, I, I forgot he was in this. Like that's how often I think that's, you know, um, how much volume two stuck with me is I totally forgot he was in this, but you're right. He would have been. I would assume because I do believe that it, it was all shot as one movie. Cause Jesse was asking, I think before we were recording, if we thought if this was shot as one or if they shot and then took a break, like a matrix type deal. But no, I believe it was all shot as one continuous movie. I don't know. In a way, maybe it's smart because it does feel different. And maybe that's the point. If he's like, well, if I'm going to have to split these up, I'll make a legit different movie. Like a separate, you know, it'll right. feel like its own thing. I don't know that it does feel like its own thing or that it could, but tonally it is different. Yeah. But I feel like without the first stuff, if it was just this movie, this alone is kind of weak because it's missing key stuff that right. the first movie gives the story. Like a lot of the excitement, you know, I think this plays yeah. on the fact that you've seen all that stuff. Well, you've seen all the excitement. So here's more. Let's just fill in all of the the backstory and all this. So I don't know. What about that? What about the um, the resolution? Is it is it satisfying? Is it is it weak? What do you think? You don't get any like you do, other than a voice on a phone. Really, you don't get any bill in the first one. And I think Carradine is pretty great in this. Yeah, I think he chews the scenery in the right way. I'll say that. So Bill is awesome. I think in this. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. He kind of makes this movie. Yeah, he's a bad guy, but he plays it likable until he does a couple things where you're like, oh, no, this he, he's a bad guy. Like, you can't trust him. It, the end is what makes makes me think of that. The whole the whole bit with the daughter and the story of the goldfish story. Like, I don't know. I like all that. Uh, during an initial watch, I was probably just generally disappointed, but disappointed with the resolution. But I, for me, I think the resolution works fine now. Mm-hmm. And maybe the slow pacing of this movie helps set that up. Because if you went to this resolution right after the volume one, maybe I don't know how well it would play. I do know that in the full cut, nothing about the daughter is revealed till the end. 
So they don't like, uh-huh. they don't stop halfway through and be like, does she know she, her daughter's still alive? Like they keep that as like a secret, like a twist. They hold that twist till the very end. So that would definitely change the impact. Sure. Of, yeah. Of it. And I think she plays that pretty well. I mean, like as she, you know, like acting that moment, I think, mm-hmm. uh, the gut punch of it hitting her is, is legit. For me, I think it works because the focus, the focus isn't on any spectacle of it. They have a little fight sword exchange while they're sitting in chairs, which I enjoyed quite a bit. Uh, is even though it's super brief, but she does the, the five point uh, heart explodey punch thing. Yeah. And, uh, so even that like stops everything and the pace drops back down to zero and it's all about emotional stuff. And I think the decision to like go to the last scene where Uma's like the girls watching TV in the hotel room and Uma's like crying in the bathroom and then comes out and sits down to watch his TV. Like what a weird way to kind of end it. But I like, yeah, I do like the focus on the emotional aspect of it. Trying to kind of like, even though, yeah, the story's over the top, even in this part, even in volume two, but focusing on the emotional stakes, like, okay, she killed Bill. And like, because of the setup of this five point heart explosion thing, she killed Bill while he's still alive and they could sit there and continue to have a conversation. It's the most Tarantino way to kill a guy. (laughs) Really? It is. (laughs) And she's obviously like, even after it happens, she gets a look where it's like, yeah, she's glad she had to do this. But at the same time, she's still bawling and sad. Because whatever, it's emotional. They had a thing and this daughter and just everything. I don't know. I like to focus on the emotional aspect of it. That's such a Tarantino way to handle the conclusion to something as over the top as Kill Bill. And I think it works, but it's not a crazy 88 fight or anything like that. It's a story about a little girl learning life or death from a goldfish. Like it's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and okay. So what do you think about the, uh, the Superman spiel? Oh, that's fun. And that's one of those things where I've heard that so many times where I don't recall if that started after this movie or not, but no, I think it's, I think that's pretty good. I, I want to say this, I don't mean, I'm sure people have come up with that before, but this might be one of the first times that point was, has been made in like a mainstream thing. And I don't know, recall if I'd ever really thought about it like that before, but yeah, it's great where the Superman is unique in that he puts on a costume to not be Superman. Right. Jasper, what do you think of the end? I thought it was a little, a little strange. I kind of like how she figures out her daughter's still alive. He's like playing games with her uh-huh. and then she has to act like she got, you know, shot, but one thing that always got me in the, that last part is he's like, how do I look? And she's like, oh, you look good. <laughs> you, you look ready, which yeah. is pretty good. Yeah, it's a good wording. Yeah. But yeah, it was not as action actiony as I wanted it, but mm-hmm. I mean, it really kind of concluded it. I mean, was it disappointing? Were you just like, huh? Or? I would say in a, in a sense, yeah. But But like I said, I wanted that huge... Crazy 88. Yeah. You wanted something like that. Yeah. There's yeah. not anything like that. Which they weren't the actual, they weren't 88 people. They're just, yeah. they <laughs> like the name. I do like the fight with Ellie, even though even technically even that's pretty short. That was my favorite one. Oh, it's so good. You get the reveal that she poisoned, like she did the most like underhanded way to defeat you know, a great master, poison him. And that enrages her. But taking the eye out 
the other eye. And then there was the foot thing again. Foot can't, the foot oh, the yeah. Beats. I wanted to bring that but up. But that was the foot uh, thing Holly, stepping on an eyeball. So gross. Holly uh, was sitting right next to me as I was watching part of this. And she she, she knows that, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino's got that thing about feet. That thing. And the, and her feet in particular, and so like the fact that that whole fight scene is is her barefoot, and then the fact that she steps on the eye with her barefoot, and just knowing what that all <laughs> translates to potentially in in Quentin Tarantino's mind, it's just like it just it changes the flavor of the movie a, a bit. Knowing it does. too much about this movie. Yeah, I like how she when she was walking away, she's still going insane in the bathroom. Like, where are you? You, you know, she doesn't necessarily she doesn't kill her, but she's blind, and that snake might get out. Who knows? I don't even think she realized the snake was in there, but uh, right. you know that deadly snake's still in there. It's pretty brutal. I will say Michael Madsen's character likes to throw things in this one. Does he? He throws the ladder. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> I, th- I thought he was good in this. Star ratings. Who wants to jump first? No one? <laughs> Jasper, <laughs> you. You've never seen Kill Bill. I'm giving I'm giving this one a four. Okay. I like the um the progress, how the movie moved. The amazing fight between her and Dara Hannah was really, really good. Which I found out later, I guess they didn't like each other, Uma, Uma and Dara Hannah. Oh, really? Yeah, they had to be put in different sides of the hotel because they did not like Interesting. Yeah. Huh. And especially on the press tour, they couldn't be on at the same time. But anyway, again, disappointed with how the end kind of went, but also kind of, it made sense, you Mm -hmm. know? So I I gave it a four out of five. Okay. How's your 3.5 star rating over there? Son of a gun. (laughs) Wow. That's uncanny. Jasper. Jasper. So when are you just going to host the show and take over for both parts? <laughs> you know what I'm going to rate it. You probably know what I'm going to say. So just you do the my rants and my ratings and fill in your parts. And... I'm working on the synthesizer part. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Well, since you spoiled my rating for me, I haven't even rated this on Letterboxd. You know, I am going 3.5. Why? Why, Jasper? Why am I going 3.5? I'm not sure. I just okay uh, because I like it. I think it's good. The first one I want to say I gave a four star, and this one I just uh, it's just not as memorable. It'll knock it down a little bit for me. And in terms of Tarantino, like okay, so it's kind of a slower paced movie. I don't know that it overstays its welcome because it still doesn't feel as long. It's over two hours long, and it doesn't necessarily feel that long, but it's definitely a slower pace. And I feel like he can do slower pace and still keep. My interest level up, but this one I don't think does it as well. You know, it's a little lagging in that respect compared to a lot of other Tarantino stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. Three point five. Uh, how about you, Jesse? Uh, I'm I'm in the exact same boat. The three point five. I feel bad uh, doing that, but it's based on my enjoyment level. So, like, obviously, I like I like it a little better than the Street Fighter, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's a better made movie. And it is. It's a better made movie. Uh, it's a better made movie than the last one that I was on on this show for, uh, True Romance. But I enjoy mm-hmm. True Romance so much more. So that's why it sits kind of 
squarely in the middle, you know, like it's, it's better than the street fighter, but for my money, I've rewatched true romance so many more times than kill bill volume two. And I think kill bill volume two is improved by the existence of kill bill volume one. And I think that, uh, it does a nice job of, of tying it all up. And I think the beats are, are amazing. There's some amazing things that go in there, but on pure enjoyment levels, it's just, it's just not my favorite Tarantino. It's so interesting that you, I hadn't even contemplated really comparing it to Street Fighter, but, and it is, it's just a whole different world of like quality compared to the Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. I think I would definitely watch the Street Fighter again first before oh, interesting volume two. Yeah. I don't, I feel like I get more enjoyment out of the Street Fighter and it's not necessarily good enjoyment. Right. I mean, it's, it, it is, but it's not like enjoying the quality of it like I would Kill Bill. But yeah, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. But when I do think about it, I think I'd rewatch the Street Fighter sooner than I'd rewatch Kill Bill Volume 2. So guys, based on the massive success that was the Spirit of Vengeance saga that we invented last episode, they're going to reach back and grab more quote-unquote classic martial arts movies and mesh them with Tarantino universes. So, how would you combine The Street Fighter with Kill Bill Volume 2 into one cinematic universe? Wow. I did not I did that wrong this time. <laughs> cinematic universe. I did that wrong. I hurt. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. cinematic universe. <laughs> Citizen, that's what I need to do. Citizen. So I'm going to blow your minds, gentlemen. I'm going to blow it. Blow blow your minds. I'm going to blow your minds twice. 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 Because first, mind blown. Get ready. I couldn't make a cinematic mashup. Oh, my God. I have, I have no movie pitch. Wow. You've gone off the rails in the past to come up with some stuff. So, yeah. okay, okay. I have no movie pitch. But get ready. Because I do have a pitch. It's just not a movie. Okay. Okay. So I'm now I I'm now going to send you the thing. I'm going to send okay, you. So- I'm, I'm sending you a file, gentlemen, to to a me- through a message service uh, right <laughs> okay. now. So you will de- <laughs> you will need your phones to access this file. Here it comes. Okay. Jesse has sent a photo. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. This is. Okay. Now I'm going to explain. <laughs> I don't know if you should explain what you're seeing or if I should give my pitch. Okay. So here's what we're seeing. We have some artwork that Jesse has done here, which, you know, for audio podcast is, it's interesting, but I'm sure Jesse, it, it will be available for you to see somewhere. A listener. It says BB's world. It kind of, the, the the depiction of BB makes me think of Bobby's world a little bit. Oh, yeah. I'm guessing that's yep. intentional. Okay. BB's world. And uh, she's thinking of something, I guess, Earth. Uh, let's see. There's a butterfly. Uh, the, I see a pie may, a ghost pie may specifically. And it, um, is that Hataro Hanz- Hanzo? Han- yep. Hattori Hanzo. Hattori Hanzo 
And I see a rat nosed chicken stand back there. <laughs> That's right, because he makes American style chicken. And uh, wow, this is incredible. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so to to explain, I, I think it kind of sells itself, but since no one else can see it, uh, okay. I, I, I will say this right now. I'm on board. This, looks, <laughs> this actually you looks even really good. <laughs> I'm ready. This is a cartoon. I'm ready for. Yeah, yeah. So I that's that's what I had to do because uh, the bride, the bride, her story's over. Her she killed Bill. It's over, guys. Uh, and the Street Fighter, that's over too. So how can we possibly go forward? How could we possibly go forward? We go forward with BB. BB's world. <laughs> So, and and I just feel like it needs to be a cartoon because it does. This series, this series obviously takes place after the events of Kill Bill. We'll just say that this cartoon is canon adjacent. Oh, I like that. So, canon adjacent. So there there are some changes. Uh, most notably, you you notice that uh, Ratnose is not dead. <laughs> Which yeah, we didn't yeah. even we didn't even really touch on that in in the Street Fighter he dies, <laughs> so he gets his comeuppance for being so whiny and annoying. Uh, the man can't cook chicken to save his life. Uh, nope. But okay, back to my pitch. BB is an imaginative young girl. She lives with her mom, but since her mom is constantly out of town for quote unquote work, yeah, she goes back to the business. <laughs> Uncle Hattori Hanzo, Uncle Hattori, or Terry for short, usually watches BB to make uh, to make matters more interesting. BB imagines she's bored. She's bored all the time. You know, she she imagines uh, or is haunted by the ghost of Pai Mei, who kind of serves as BB's racist, sexist, offensive mentor, guardian <laughs> angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would actually work so well. <laughs> she also has a cartoon sheepdog named Shogun Assassin, who she constantly loses, so she has to chase him all over town and call out his name all over the neighborhood, which makes everyone really uncomfortable. But she's an adorable little girl, so oh well. And uh <laughs> she they hang out at Ratnose's chicken stand uh with her friends and uh because Ratnose is silly. And uh, since he rarely ever sells any actual chicken, he's constantly giving them free food. But they only ever take him up on the chicken nuggets because even Ratnose can't get that one wrong. So, yeah, being the daughter of an international assassin sure can be boring. So she creates these rich and elaborate stories, which she plays out with anyone uh, that she comes in contact with. Or she'll just uh, sit down and read one of her dad Bill's old comic books and then she'll spiral into a daydream scenario, kind of like the Muppet Babies or like Bobby's World. And uh, so, yeah. So, you know, we're going to we're gonna launch this and the Internet will initially hate it because, first of all, it has a strong female protagonist and it's got simple animation style, which just won't jive with their own professional visions of what a Kill Bill cartoon should look like. So... <laughs> It will have a tricky launch, but then it will be critically well-received, and those who like it will sing its praises, but it will ultimately be canceled, but will find a second life when Netflix picks it up and people can binge it, which will cause it to have a short-lived 
revival in the form of a Netflix original animated feature. Oh, nice. So I would say this premise and the art is as good, if not better, than most uh, Saturday morning cartoons from the <laughs> 90s till today. I love it, dude. I think <laughs> it's so good. Uh, your drawing is awesome, and the premise actually really works very well. <laughs> um, wow. Dude, that's how you do it. So, something universe. about uh, the idea of, and I don't know why Ratnose lives, but Pyme stays dead. I don't know. But it just was funnier <laughs> that he's a ghost. Oh, yeah. I like it. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe I didn't pair, like, Shogun Assassin you mentioned. That probably would have been a better thing to pair this movie with, or more appropriately, the lone one of the lone wolf and cub movies which is oh, yeah. which is shogun assassin but for this for this for rat nose's chicken <laughs> worth it worth it that was the right choice i God, that I, was so you know good. i i went through a lot of pitches and i was like ah oh, man i even tried to go with uh like a like a parody thing where it's like bill and terry's excellent adventure <laughs> <laughs> but uh wow. even that i was just like oh i'm so reaching on this but then when i i don't know why i was like what what's the most bizarre twist that i could make with my pitch and it was animated series <laughs> i was like oh i know exactly what to do okay so here's my pitch bill and terry's excellent adventure <laughs> This actually works. Okay. I know I just stole that title from Jesse literally just now, and I will admit it. But this actually works at the the one angle I had in my head. Okay. Because Hattori Hanzo slash Terry in a past life, he had to change his name because Terry had kind of gotten a reputation that he was trying to break free of. Same guy. It's pretty clear that he, he must have trained Bill at some point. But that's, you know, mentioning Bill is the reason, like, is how you can get... <laughs> him to break break a br- blood oath, right? Well, yeah, that's because they used to run around and have bogus journeys, and maybe not so excellent adventures <laughs> at various points in time. And they had uh, the face so the music, that's ripe for for harvesting for some like you get some good stories out of there. Have basically sequel, you know, in between movies, sequels to uh, to Street Fighter, prequels to Kill Bill, but. Here's why this works and why it's not simply me ripping Jesse off just now. <laughs> because Jesse's pitch is right. Ratface lived. How do I know this? Who do you think the little ball guy is? Who do you think <laughs> Hanzo's sidekick is in Kill Bill Volume 1? That's Ratface. Fortunately, he gave up trying to make chicken. He lost some pounds. Yeah. He went bald, unfortunately. Do you understand? And... <laughs> or do you understand me? Whatever it is, he says. I think it's do you understand? Uh, so, I mean, they're a weird. He's got a weird co- comedic sidekick in Volume One, so I think it's Ratface, and uh, that's my whole angle. We can fill some stuff in, and that still plays into the Spirit of Vengeance saga that we established before. Except now we actually saw, we actually see. Beatrix's daughter, BB. It sounds like you said a totally different word. 
<laughs> Beatrixes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, but it's because they, they say it's. I always think it's Beatrice, but it's got an Beatrix. X. It's like be, yeah, Beatrix. It's like beat tricks. Right, beat tricks. <laughs> beat tricks. Um, They're so, for mildly older adults. So we actually see her in this movie, and that makes me not want to set her up as the next Spirit of Vengeance, uh, especially after seeing BB's World. So we'll leave that be. That'll be um, uh, what's her name from Volume One's daughter will be the next Spirit of Vengeance. So it all works together. I'm just filling in my already established cinematic universe. With Terry and Bill's excellent adventure, bogus <laughs> journey. I think I touched, honestly, I actually, I think I touched on this in my first one. And it's kind of a cheat to use uh, Hanzo, you know, Terry, quote unquote, Terry's character again. But it's not because we got Terry now. Um, right. I wanted to know why he had to, like, swear off making swords in the first place. So that was part of my motivation for my cinematic universe last episode. So I'm going to continue that. And say we're actually going to get specifically why and Bill's involved. Okay, okay, listen. Go ahead, invest in Jesse's idea. That's fine. He's got <laughs> concept art and everything. <laughs> Which works really well oh. for an audio podcast. As a, <laughs> yeah. as a you know, director of production at this movie, this this uh, production company we're going with, we're going with Baby's World. Well, we can do both. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Not a fam. Well, we need one to establish the popularity of the other characters in modern audiences, right? <laughs> okay. What do you got, Jasper? Okay, so for uh, my God. so for Bill and Terry's excellent bogus world journey. Oh, ooh, like <laughs> oh, oh boy. No, what I thought was we find out that Vivica A. a Box's daughter is also Bill's daughter, <laughs> right? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. I have no reason to believe otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. We find out that Bill didn't want to shoot Uma. He he was forced by the Yakuza. Oh, they wanted her dead? Yeah. Okay. Because she's a prophet of some sort. I don't know how. But anyway. For the spirit of vengeance? <laughs> yeah, for the spirit of vengeance. Okay. okay. And then we find out that basically the Yakuza put Hattori into retirement because they're tired of getting killed by his blades by the, <laughs> by the Viper squad. <laughs> that, that jerk. So, so he makes two more blades for the two daughters. Okay. And they form the team of Cobra Kai. Okay. Since they're, they make <laughs> their own Kai, Viper. Oh my. They make their own snake team, <laughs> which is also ran by solid snake. But anyway, going back. Wow. Okay. Um, and then, Basically, it's a movie of they're going after the Yakuza. They wipe out the triad on, a, on an offshoot part of the story, and then they go right after the, the, the Yakuza from Street Fighter. Okay, okay. That was my. Oh, that's an angle we totally... Good angle. There we go. Both movies had uh, Yakuza. Yakuza. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, no, so, that works. So, so it'll be Kill Bill Volume 3, The Deadly Sisters. That does not sound like something Tarantino would be opposed to going with. The, the title, anyway. Or the Death Sisters. The Sisters of Death. The Sisters of Death. There we go. Yep. Because we can't call it Bill and Terry's excellent world adventure journey. <laughs> that would be bogus. Yeah. Yes. Terminate Terry. Terminate no, we Terry. do not. Volume one. <laughs> we do not have concept art. So. <laughs> no. 
No, that's good. This is why we have guests on to go first, because then we can just piggyback something they say. I can't believe we got a cinematic cinematic universes out of this. We got a cartooning. We got a cartoon out of this. Yeah, that's a first, and a very good distribution plan, apparently. Yeah, you gotta have that. You gotta have that stuff in mind beforehand. Oh yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta check what way the wind is blowing. Hmm. <laughs> This cartoon's got diversity. I Man, think, we're set. <laughs> yeah. We can call, you know, some people at DC, see if we can get on the DC universe. <laughs> it's got no DC characters, <laughs> oh, <God>. but okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We'll make we'll make a new comic series. Okay. Oh, well, dude, I would read that. Well, I mean, sure. I mean it's Miramax, so <laughs> they've got to sell. <laughs> That's been no kind doubt. of the premise of the whole Terran Threno. It's like <laughs> all of these movies are really cheap now. <laughs> <laughs> okay the next in tarantino's filmography was death proof which we already did but now we're back in order inglorious bastards is next and i'm not sure what we're going to pair with that maybe inglorious bastards i've never watched the original i know it's hmm. the story has got very little to do with it but maybe we'll do that same with Django, for that matter i'm not sure jesse Thank you for joining us. Uh, where can people find you? Hey, you can find me wherever internet podcasts are made by looking at grawlixpodcast.com. That's G-R-A-W-L-I-X podcast.com. You can find me on the Twitters at Jesse, J-E-S-S-E, Kiefer, K-I-E-F-E-R. Nice. I like wherever podcasts are found by going to Grawlix Podcast. You know what? <laughs> It doesn't matter what podcast you're listening, to, yeah. you're looking for. Go to grogspodcast.com. You'll find something. <laughs> you might find our, two somethings. Yeah, that's our new that's, that's our new catchphrase. Grogspodcast.com. You'll find something. Yeah, maybe not what you're looking for, but you'll find something. While you're there, why don't you vote on our poll list? It's not anywhere, anywhere what you're looking for, but we have it. Yeah, yeah. Since you're there already. It's like the unofficial tagline for uh, the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Come find your new favorite podcast. I like it because it's vague. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're looking for, but you're going to find something you like over here. Hey. Yeah. Hey. Your new favorite one. It's over here. It's like, what is it? I don't know. Come look. <laughs> find the podcast you like. Like, what? what do you, what's your... What's your genre? Like, what do you want? Like, I have. Your favorite. That's our genre. Your favorite. Come over here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you boying? Sit down. How much are you selling? Stay a while. Jasper, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Caronzo Media, which is K-O-R-A-N-S-O Media. That's K-O? K-O. Okay. R-A-N-S-O Media. What about Mixer? You can find me on Mixer, mixer.com backslash Caronzo, which is K-O-R-A-N-S-O. I feel like that backslash assaulted the listener. Yeah. I felt like an assault. Mixer.com slash Oh my gosh. I mean, is it technically a backslash or a forward slash? I'm going to fight you if you say anything more today. (laughs) (laughs) That's how we treat our guests here. I'm going to fight you if you say anything more. Not if you say something about another thing or if you talk, just if you say anything. <laughs> well, we, you, you, you get off this podcast, <laughs> you turn off the mic, you still be silent. <laughs> you, be, you be silent. I'll fight you. <laughs> I'll fight you. All right. Well, hey, 
<laughs> I'm Randall Sylvie. Hey, you need podcast services? Go to podedit.com. You want to listen to some podcasts, including this one or the Grawlix podcast? Go to GrawlixPodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at GCU Podcast and at Grawlix Podcast. And you can find GCU on Anchor.fm. Furthermore, again, if you want to keep listening to GCU, search us out on our own individual feed. If you go to GrawlixPodcast.com, you can find like links to this show in your favorite podcast app. So don't worry. We're going to be around. And if you think it's a terrible idea that we stop putting GCU on the actual Grolix podcast feed, let us know. Maybe we'll contemplate doing something else. So thank you. <laughs> this is where we fade out. And then this this part is taken out of context because I don't know what we're talking about. And you add in that me crawling out of a dumpster noise. <laughs> oh, I like the actual noise. I'm just going to add in the whole like, H.J. Dumpster freaking conversation and then like and then i look out and you're like oh look here's a dave's favorite burger Jasper, where can they find you? You can find me in a dumpster behind a Wendy's. Giving HJs? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't ready Just, for that. That should be HJs either. HJs and BJs for the bold. Anyway. BJs for the bold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm Jasper. HJs and BJs for the bold. Feeling spicy? Meet me behind Wendy's. <laughs> Jasper to Bring some G fuel. <laughs> <laughs> they don't call it spicy chicken for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper and I don't behind Wendy's. Chocolate fight. Frosty. <laughs> Rat nose chicken on consignment. <laughs> <laughs> Jasper and I don't behind Wendy's. You'll find something you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> your, your new favorite something. <laughs> 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 for your new, your new favorite something and then like a oh my god an animation comes on screen <laughs> <laughs> alright for real what Wendy's <laughs> <laughs>